Many of us have read the verse that says the meek will inherit the earth and the Beatitudes. And we think, what the heck does that mean? And then, or we've read Colossians 3 verse 12 and it says, put on meekness. And I'm thinking, how do you put on meekness? It's not really a jacket, is it, or something like that? And honestly, for most of us, when we hear the word meek or meekness, we think of somebody who's quietly spoken or a bit of a pushover or maybe they're somebody who doesn't seem to have much of a backbone or a spine. Some of us may think of the old hymn, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. Well, it is true. When you put meek and mild together, it does give that impression of weak, limp, or lacking strength. Just a bit like a mild curry. Some would say a mild curry is not very strong and not worth eating. Well, I want to tell you the story. I so a while ago, and I, a friend who comes to our church had used to live in India, and, and he brought his friend over. Now, they were both not of Indian descent, but they loved curry. So we went to the mall, and because he was from India, he ordered this super hot. He asked for it to make them extra spicy. And I'm chuckling to myself thinking, you know, you know what's going to happen here? And, and he's eating away and thinking, are you enjoying this? And he's going, oh man, this is beautiful. It's fantastic. All the while, this is in the middle of the winter. He's, he's sitting down eating this and literally sweat is pouring off his face. His shirt is starting to get a bit wet. And I'm thinking, you're not enjoying this at all. So, you know, have your curry the way you like it. But meekness, especially for us Kiwi blokes, is something that we don't want to be known for. Imagine Sam Asiatara. If you were known, somebody said, oh, Sam's just so meek. None of us would want to be known for that. Is that right? No, I, wouldn't. I don't want to be known as a meek person. But I think that's because our understanding is wrong. Today, I want to change our mindset. I want us to show, I want us to see that meekness isn't weakness. And that is the title of this message today. It's a bit catchy. And the reason why it is that way is because I want us to really grab hold of this message. So turn to the person next to you and tell them, weakness is not meekness. Now, we're using horses as an example today. I'm not actually a, a great horse lover. The last time I rode a horse was about 20-something years ago, didn't have a good experience and haven't got on a horse since. But horses are going to be really important for understanding meekness. Now, more importantly, I want us to see that being meek can unlock God's favor and blessing in our lives and can accelerate us into the plans and purposes that He has in store for you. For all of us, He's got amazing things, and meekness will help us with that. Now, honestly, I used to be like all of you. Probably. Some of you may be really smart and think differently, but I used to think that meekness was a sign of weakness and that it was a real backward step from pressing in to the things that God has got for us because God wants us to be like go-getters and run after Him. But through a fair bit of heartache and pain, I actually discovered that personally, meekness isn't weakness. And it has been an amazing key for my life and just seeing the things that God has got in store for me unlocked. I would want to go as far as saying that next to faithfulness, meekness is one of those key principles that God wants to see in our lives so that we can see and then play the plan that he's got for us. You know, I was praying this morning about this message and it just dawned on me. I'm going to be speaking three times this morning 
to around 2,000 different people. How, how is that even happening? And you know, it's all God. It really is just totally God. And, and that is part of it, is that as we are meek, God comes through. You know, Moses was a lot like us. In Exodus 6, Moses was actually arguing with God and saying, I can't do this. I'm such a clumsy speaker. Why should Pharaoh even listen to me? But then if we turn over a few books into Numbers 12 verse 3, it says, Now Moses was a very meek man, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Now, is that meek up there? Oh, in some translations it says meek, humble, meek. But see, Moses wasn't, well, in our definition of meek, he wasn't meek. He was somebody who stood up to the leaders, who led the whole children of Israel, that motley crew, out through the desert. I mean, he, what a great example. You know, Jesus was also described as meek in Matthew 11. He was no jellyfish, was he? Jesus had a backbone. He was so courageous and strong. I mean, we've just remembered communion this morning. Jesus died for all of our sins. That is the ultimate example of meekness. He laid down his life for the greater good of the gospel because we need salvation. If Jesus, Moses, and Joseph, who, if you go along to a life group, you'll talk a little bit about in the study. So there's a plug for life groups. Get along to life groups. You know, they really do help us understand the, the principles of God so much better. If they were known for their meekness, then I think it's something we should develop in our lives. So what exactly is meekness? Well, one commentary puts it this way. Meekness is not weakness. That's where I stole the title from. It is power under control. Let me say that again. Meekness is not weakness. It is power under control. Meekness is a deep personal inner strength. The Hebrew word for meekness is used to describe a soothing wind or a young horse that has been broken. In each instance, there is a power. A wind can become a storm and cause much destruction. A horse can break loose, but the power is under control. That is meekness. Now, for those of you who are like me and aren't really into horses that much, the term broken is not meaning that the horse has a broken leg and it's broken, like needs to be fixed. Broken stands for when a horse is tamed, where its desires, its longing to just run free, has been curved and they're, they're willing to be ridden, they're willing to have the bit and the saddle and they're willing to actually be directed by their rider. And that example is actually used in biblical terms. Now the Bible compares our fallen human nature to the impulse of wild animals. God says in Jeremiah 2 that his own people are like wild donkeys. Any wild donkeys here this morning? And a restless camel. Now, I can actually identify with that restless camel. I want to go this way or go that way and do my own thing all the time. I'm restless. I always want to be doing something different. And when the project or the task is finished, I want the next one. And if people ever come into my office, if I'm sitting there and listening to something, I can't sit still. I've got to be fidgeting or doing something. I'm just restless. But that's how God describes us. It's interesting, as, as Kiwis, more than most nations, we want to do our own thing. Many people, especially myself, probably struggle with this thought that no one is going to tell me what to do. You, you know what I mean? Now, some of us, probably all of us at times have thought, 
you can't tell me what to do. Some of us have even looked people in the eye and said, you can't tell me what to do. Actually, there was a guy in the city who said, yeah, that's me. You know, that attitude is the opposite of meekness and certainly isn't the way God wants us, his children, to think or behave. But we do. We don't want to be told what to do. We want to do it our own way. And if we're going to do it wrong, we'd rather do it wrong and find out for ourselves. We're so independent, aren't we? Or I am anyway. To help us get on the same page, I've got two clips about um, showing horses that will help us understand the concept of meekness. So I want to show you some wild horses in action. So watch the screens. Now, honestly, who saw their kids up there on the screen? (laughs) Jody tells me not to be mean to Zach publicly, so I'm not going to say anything. But some of us probably actually can think of people who are a bit like that. They're just completely out of control. They'd actually go up and bite somebody. (sighs) You know, I heard the story the other day of this elevator. And it was at a very flash hotel, and the elevator was full, and it was going down to the lobby. And it stopped at a floor, and there was a businessman standing there. And he saw that the elevator was full. So as the doors started to close, they could hear this guy cursing and swearing, just because he couldn't get into that elevator, because perhaps he had to wait a maximum of a minute. You know, that's that wild emotions that are inside of us that can come out at any moment. Without meekness, we are full of power, energy, and emotions, but lacking the control like those wild horses we've just seen. You know, the truth is that wild nature can come out at any moment without a bit of meekness. Let me tell you about the story. Kind of relates a little bit to these bumper stickers. So Zach and I were driving down Great North Road and then turned onto Oh, I can't remember what road it is. We turned on there and heading towards a roundabout. And all of a sudden, the, out of the corner of my eye, I could see this little red car trying to pull in, and it would have, it would have just hit us. And so I tooted my horn and just kept on driving, you know, good. I could have even had my bumper sticker on that day. I was driving really good. And just driving along. And then again, it, it just sped up and then tried to cut me off. And I tooted again. And then I looked across and I'm not exaggerating, here's this little red car with a husband and wife in it, probably about 70 years old, and guess what they're doing? They're there pulling the fingers at me and Zach. I'm like, now luckily they didn't have a Church Unlimited bumper sticker on. I mean, that would have been really bad if I saw them sitting on the front row where, where Barry and Judy were. But that's, yeah, it wasn't then. They don't have a red car. It's like, but you know what I'm saying? That those emotions, if they're not under control, I mean, honestly, all, what they ended up doing was slowing down for like two seconds and pulling in behind me because there was no cars behind me. I mean, and I thought young people were bad. But you get the concept. 
Now, I didn't really understand this whole concept until about six years ago. I was sitting at a conference and I was listening to a guy named John Bevere preach. And he read out two scriptures. The first one he read out was Psalm 34 verse 18, which says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Same concept as broken horses. And such as a contrite spirit, which translates to meekness. And then he read out Isaiah 66 verse 2. And this is what it says, declares the Lord, these are the ones I will look on with favor. Man, we want God to look on, on us with favor, don't we? Those who are humble and a contrite spirit translates to meekness and who tremble at his word. And that is when I had that aha moment, when it finally hit me that when we understand that meekness relates to wild stallions, to wild horses being tamed and brought under the control and the direction of a rider, and that's when we start seeing God's favor and blessing upon my life. I thought, man, there really must be something in this. See, these verses referring to meekness, if you look in the commentaries, they're referring to a war horse, a battle horse that goes out and doesn't matter what's happening around them, they still stay focused on what the rider's telling them to do. That is a tamed, that is a broken horse. And that is what God is saying to us through those scriptures. So you can really picture this. We've just seen the wild horses. Let's have a look at the screen and see some battle horses in action. The truth is war is a lot more gruesome than that, but I want you to get the picture of the fact of horses just going, charging through tents and things like that. You know, if a horse had no rider, there's no way they would do any of that. Now, I've shown these clips because that is what the Bible is saying. Meekness is those wild stallions being tamed and brought under control, used as those military horses. Now, this is happening right around the country today, right now. In stables, the fastest and most powerful and gifted horses are sitting there, unused and unridden. Why? Because they're not tamed. Because they're not broken. And somewhere across this room, there are wild humans. Because ultimately, that's what we are before we've had Jesus come and ask for forgiveness. That's what we are. We're untamed humans, doing whatever we please, living our lives out. But we haven't come to that place of meekness and asking Jesus to come and work through us. And we're not realizing the potential that is locked inside of us, that is waiting to come out. Biblically, a meek person is someone who is under the control of God. We may have powerful emotions, powerful desires, but those emotions have been tamed and brought under the control of God's will. Like a wild stallion, the power is there, but it's held in check by the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to stop here for a moment. The Holy Spirit. If you didn't know, we are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the Bible. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in a real God who moves 
and who works and who's real to us. We used to have on the back wall a few years ago the verse Zechariah 4 verse 6, which is up on the screens there, which says, not by my power. Let me put in my translation, not by my power, not by my spirit and energy and works, but by the spirit of God. And that is what it's about. It's about understanding it's not our power, it's not our will, but as we allow God to come through, we're going to see amazing things happen. And we're going to realize things far greater than what we could ever do. I mean, the truth is, I, I would have never even dreamed to be standing here today. I would have loved to have been working for God, but not doing what I'm doing. That, that's outside of what I was ever, when I was a kid, ever even thinking was possible. But it's God. It's meekness. It's coming and allowing Him to work through us. So being meek is being tamed to be useful. We don't want to be a wild stallion that never gets to run in a race or be put to work because we can't be controlled. Ultimately, spiritually speaking, we want to be a battle horse that makes tremendous impact for the kingdom of God. That's my desire. I hope it's yours. We want to make a tremendous impact for the kingdom of God. Church, there really is something in this. If you begin to walk in this, we step into some amazing promises that are in the Bible. And I briefly just want to touch on these for a moment before I look at how we can develop more meekness in our lives. So there's six benefits, well, there's heaps, but I want to focus on six benefits according to Scripture. The first one we started at today, the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, I looked and researched and, and read through commentaries and different things, and it was really hard to pinpoint exactly what Jesus was trying to say. But the best thing that I could really bring out this morning is that Jesus was repeating Psalm 37 verse 11, which says, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Now, it's important to understand, prosperity here isn't talking about just money. It's talking about every area of life, that you're prosperous with your friendships, with your relationships, with what God has got you to do, with just with kids, with family. Whatever area it is, that's what God wants. Man, that's a great promise to, to run after meekness. Number two, there's a promise of protection. We want to be protected, don't we? That's in Zephaniah 2 verse 3 if you want to look that up later. Like I've already talked about in Isaiah 66 verse 2 and in Psalm 134 verse, uh, 147 verse 6 talks about that God's favor is on the meek. I want God to favor me. I'm sure you do too because God has unlimited favor. For growing in meekness... Grow in meekness and you will have joy. According to Isaiah 29 verse 19, the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord and the poor among them shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Now that's not poor financially. That's poor as in broken, as in submitted. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, tell us that God will guide and teach, tells us that God will guide and teach the meek. I want God to guide me every day. But probably even more than just this guidance, I want him to teach me and to keep on teaching me and keep on instructing me. Number six, like I've already mentioned, God is near to those who are meek. I think that's our cry, isn't it? That we get out of bed and God's close to us. That we go to work and God's close to us. That doesn't matter what we're doing, that God is right there. 
You know, there are also a number of personal benefits that come through meekness. Meekness is a key to holy living. Meekness helps us to say no to those impulses that are just sitting there. Our humanity wants to come out and lead us to do something of this or that. But as we're humble and we surrender to God, that meekness will help us control our impulses. But it starts with the Holy Spirit helping us. And without Him, I want to say that living right, living holy, is almost an impossible task. That's why meekness is so important. Meekness also helps us to accept the difficulties that we face and then to even see God in them. The truth is we will face difficulties. But if we can see God in them, we can understand and then even have the hope and the courage to press through them. One other area meekness impacts on is in our personal relationships. Basically, with meekness, we're nicer. I'd like people to think that I'm getting nicer. You know, isn't that what we'd like people to say? Oh, Joe, man, he's just getting so much easier to deal with and talk to. Man, he's such a nice guy. You know, Umish, such a nice guy. Such a great pastor. You know, that was a really good communion. It really was. I I think we're going to see amazing testimonies come through this morning. So how do we get meekness? How do we develop more meekness in our lives? I have a number of points, but I really want to look at these points from my own experience and share with you, I guess, a little bit of my journey. Now, I'm not saying I'm any expert or authority on meekness. And the truth is we all need to keep developing meekness until, well, really until we get to heaven because it's something that can keep developing our lives. But let's look at the steps that I see in my life and Hopefully you can find yourself on this journey and and continue progressing in it. So point one, to develop in meekness, we need to desire to be meek. If you don't have the desire to have meekness in your life, you're not going to see it. We need to be intentional to have the Holy Spirit controlling or working with our strengths and talents and abilities. We want the Holy Spirit directing our future. So that's where it starts, desiring meekness. Now, we're going to turn to a really important scripture in a moment. So if you want to turn to Romans 13, verse 1, because this is the scripture we probably want deleted out of the book. But it's actually in the Bible, and if we can understand it, it will really help us. The next thing I had to learn, which was hard for all of us, is that we are designed to be under authority. Now, this is not a negative thing. I'm not swearing at you. It's actually okay. God designed us to be under authority. Now, under his authority, but that is delegated. Let's read Romans 13, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except by God's appointment, and the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. You know, realizing that people in authority have, are there because God has given them that authority is really freeing. It helps us to understand what's happening and flow with it. That is meekness. You know, I just want to use an example here. Some of you, hopefully none of you who are like this have Church Limited bumper stickers on your car, but some of you don't like policemen. And really... You don't expect their, accept their authority at all. And if you're driving along the motorway and you saw the red and blue lights, you'd just want to keep on driving and like, oh, they don't, 
they don't exist. I don't respect them at all. Well, guess what? If you do that, it won't be long until there's 10 police cars chasing you. And when they finally get you, you're going to be thrown in prison for a resisting arrest. See, we have to accept authorities that are around us because that is how God has set it up. And if we resist the authorities and the people around us, it will only lead to us being locked up. Resisting them does not lead to freedom. But once we understand that we need and are designed to be under authority, we then need to accept the authorities that are in our lives. Just like the police, but actually, hopefully, they're not the ones that you or I have to worry about too often. Hopefully. You know, we've got authorities in our family. We've got authorities, people who are over us at work. And the city, Matt was sitting there and he's, he reports to me and he was smirking away. It's true. You know, God has placed me there with Matt there. And his life is going to be a lot easier if he goes with it. It's just like the 50k speed limit out on the roads around here. That's not there because your car can't go that fast. The 50k speed limit is to protect yourself and other people because in the streets like this, kids could run out, cars could pull out, and that authority, that limit is there to protect you. The authorities that are in our lives are there to actually help us. And we need to understand that and see that. So once we've seen that, the next step is actually not just seeing and accepting their authority, but being in alignment with them. It's easy to say, yeah, 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 but not actually really do what has been asked of us at work, at home, with our parents, or even in Christian circles. It's all part of it. And it will lead to more and bigger and better things. Now, this alignment is... is talked about in Psalm 133, where it talks about the oil coming down from Aaron's head, down his bed, through his garments. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit and being in alignment. A good example of this is, some of you would have seen it last night with the All Blacks. To come into alignment is listening to the coach and going with his game plan. Now, there were a whole lot of backs out there that did not want to kick that ball, and every second they would have got it. They would have wanted to run at the English. But that wasn't the game plan. The coaches had told them to kick it. And they kicked it far too often, I just have to say. But they kicked the ball. And they flowed with the game plan. And ultimately, thankfully, luckily, it actually ended up with a good result for us in the end. I hope there's no English supporters here. But that is alignment. It's curving what our natural desires are to go with the bigger picture. And that can be seen in all different areas of life. So once we're doing that, I think number five, and just quickly to wrap up, number five is trusting and having faith in the Lord that he knows what's best. Because sometimes it doesn't make sense. Just like for whoever it was, Israel Dag, he just wanted to run the board. It didn't make sense really to him probably, but he still followed the game plan. Just like for the horse riders, you know, if you're on a, um, a steeplechase ride or you're doing a cross-country course and you've got to jump over jumps, they're just going and trusting the rider. They don't know what's over the jump, but they're trusting, and we can do the same. And that really releases us to flow into all that God's got for us because it does start with trust and faith in God. Another point is that we need to be quick to forgive. If you haven't already found out, we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people. Unfortunately, the people that God has put around you, even your parents at times, 
are going to disappoint us and sometimes even hurt us. The Bible says in Luke 17 verse 1, offenses must come. Not may come, they will come. And if we're quick to forgive, it allows us to move on with what God has got for us. And unfortunately, these setbacks will occur. Finally, finally, two points. Point seven, walk daily in the fellowship with Jesus. If we're going to grow in meekness, we need to surround ourselves with meek people. And the meekest person I know is Jesus. Matthew 11 verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your soul. Now let me explain this yoke principle to you. A yoke is again another picture of horses. It's actually in the Bible. And usually farmers would get a real experienced wise horse and yoke him or her with a young horse that doesn't know what to do. And they yoke together and they're walking and doing the jobs and the young horse is learning from them. And that's the picture of us with walking with Jesus. If we walk with him, we will learn from him and we will develop meekness, but we have to be yoked with him. We have to be walking where he wants us to go. And finally, we can ask God for the grace to develop meekness because we can't just ask for meekness because meekness is developed, it grows, it's a fruit. So we can ask God for the grace so that meekness keeps growing. Now, I want to say here, and this is really important, and I think everyone in this room, even in the balcony, needs to listen and understand this. Ultimately, meekness starts with Jesus. It starts with the Holy Spirit's power. But it starts with submitting and realizing that we are truly like wild animals. We have this desire to do whatever we want, and this leads to sin. And this sin stops us from having a relationship with God. And if we want to see meekness grow in our lives, we have to come and ask Jesus to forgive our sins, to wash them away. And then we are able to turn our lives over to the creator of the universe. And I truly, I can't encourage that enough. If you're here this morning and you haven't done that, it is the most freeing decision you can ever make in your life. So as the band comes, I want to conclude with these thoughts. Meekness is certainly not weakness. It is taking all our strength, ability, and even our future and allowing the Holy Spirit to direct us in the best way He sees fit, which is far greater than our ideas or our thoughts. Just like we've seen with the horses, to be fully utilized, we need to be harnessed and directed by the leaders that God has placed around us, whether they are in our family, our bosses at work, the leaders in and outside of the church, or through God Himself, when through the scriptures or the prompting of the Holy Spirit. As we all continue to grow in meekness, we will see more of the potential that God has placed inside of us come out. I want us to remember the horses going into battle. Meekness is not giving up our strength and ability that God is giving us, but instead it's allowing Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to direct all that strength and all that ability in the best way that He sees fit. So I want to leave you with this question. Are you, am I, going to stay a wild stallion? Or through meekness, will we become the workhorse or the racehorse or even the war horse that God has designed you to be? It's a good question, isn't it?